Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a piece by Sael Graves. And now, on to the meaty middle. Today's episode is about parts of speech in the interesting gray area between prepositions and adverbs. Let's start with the help section of the Grammar Girl Grammar Pop game, which has this rule about labeling parts of speech. Quote, Sometimes words you might think of as prepositions act like adverbs. When a word such as over or up is modifying a verb, it's acting like an adverb. But in grammar pop, we still call it a preposition. Grammar pop calls the words up and over in the following sentences prepositions. She needed to speak up. The statue tipped over. It's the difference between what something is and what something does. It's a preposition doing a job that's typically associated with adverbs. Rational people can disagree about this because it's a gray area of grammar, unquote. As a reminder, you may have learned that prepositions are little words like up, over, or with that express time, direction, and spatial relationships, while adverbs modify verbs, adjectives, and other adverbs, and even entire sentences. The prepositions up and over in these examples are also a type of preposition called particles, but that's a topic for a future episode. This decision to go with what a word is instead of by what it does is interesting because it's unusual. In other words, with most gray area parts of speech, we grammarians do go by the job that the word does in the sentence to make the call. For example, the ing form of a verb can be a present participle, like the baby is crawling, but the same ing word can be a gerund instead of a participle. The gerund is a noun form of the ing verb, like crawling is what babies do before they learn to walk. In that sentence, crawling is the subject, and so it's acting like a noun, not a verb, even though it technically describes an action. And the ing words can be adjectives, too, like this. Crawling babies can be a real handful. In that sentence, crawling modifies the noun babies. Even though it seems tricky, we can't call this third crawling anything but an adjective because it describes a property of the babies and is not a verb nor a noun. The point is, few grammarians would lump all three ing word types together as one part of speech. And yet many grammarians keep the adverb-like prepositions that we talked about earlier as prepositions even though they're doing more of an adverbial job. It seems that adverb is a part of speech category whose members run on a spectrum from fully adverbial to barely adverbial. In fact, some linguists refer to adverbs that end in ly, like fortunately or quickly, as indisputable adverbs. So why is that? Well, we'll talk about four possible explanations. Let's back up and look more closely at those controversial prepositions described in the grammar pop instructions. According to traditional grammar, we all agree that the word inside in this next sentence is a preposition. Get inside the castle. We call inside a preposition because it has an object, the castle. But in this next sentence, many people would call the word inside an adverb. Get inside. They call that inside an adverb because without the castle, there's no object of the preposition, and all that inside can modify is the verb get. 
It may seem like a no-brainer to label all prepositions as adverbs when they modify verbs. Again, that's in those cases when they have no object. Indeed, decisions like this are a common problem to solve in related fields like computational linguistics. Computational linguistics is a science that does things like create software to do language-related tasks, such as translate written language, program voice recognition software for when you call an automated 800 number, or tag parts of speech of written words. For example, in an early computational linguistics article, the tagging software that the authors describe had an extra portion of code to teach the computer when to call the word as a preposition and when to call the word as an adverb. For example, in this next sentence, the first time we use the word as, it's an adverb, and the second time, it's a preposition. The Catskill Mountains are not as tall as the Himalayan Mountains. The Catskill Mountains are not as, adverb tall, as, preposition, the Himalayan Mountains. The first as is an adverb because it modifies the adjective tall. But the second as is a preposition because it acts as a comparison. And the noun phrase the Himalayan Mountains is arguably the object of the preposition. Now, let's go over some theoretical arguments for why adverb may not always be the best label for those prepositions with no object. Even syntacticians disagree, but their reasons are interesting. First, adverbs tend to be considered grammatically optional. In other words, they add detail and meaning to a sentence, but don't cause the sentence to be wrong if they're removed. Jennifer runs fast and Jennifer runs, without the adverb fast, are both grammatically correct. Prepositions, on the other hand, play a much more important role in the grammar of their sentences. In that way, we could argue that in get inside, inside is not grammatically optional, because get alone means something else, if anything. This makes inside a lot more like a preposition than an adverb, even though some grammarians would call it an adverb. A second argument in favor of the preposition label is the fact that the sentence get inside may be a case of what linguists call ellipsis. It's not the same as the punctuation ellipsis, but it's a similar concept. Think of the way the three-dot punctuation mark is used to show a trailing off of missed words. While speakers frequently elide words, which means that they're not spoken, but they're implied. We know they're there, but it may be redundant to say them out loud. In other words, if I point to the castle and shout, get inside, some linguists might argue that inside does indeed have an object, the castle. It's just that this object is provided by context and isn't needed in the grammar of the sentence. The linguistic study of when context interacts with syntax is called pragmatics. A third pro-preposition point is that these controversial adverbs fail certain syntactic adverb tests. For example, take the prepositions inside, up, around, and over. We know that adverbs can modify adjectives, like incredibly, as in, she is incredibly smart. Incredibly is an adverb modifying the adjective smart. And they can modify other adverbs like incredibly in she drove incredibly fast. Incredibly is an adverb modifying the other adverb fast. However, the preposition around is different. 
We can't say she is around smart. And if we say she drove around fast, around isn't modifying the adverb fast. The preposition inside has similar problems. She is inside smart and she is inside fast show that inside fails the adverb tests, making many of us inclined to call it a preposition no matter what job it does. This shows that while incredibly is an indisputable adverb, prepositions like inside and around, when they have no object, fall further away on the spectrum of adverbs. So saying that inside is an adverb just because it has no object may not be 100% right. Even though not all adverbs pass all syntactic adverb tests, some members are more controversial than others. Remember that those indisputable LY adverb members, like incredibly, on the other hand, aren't controversial. We're all in agreement about those. Finally, here's the most interesting line of reasoning in defense of the preposition label for words like up in the sentence, she needs to speak up, and inside in get inside. You may have heard of transitivity as a property of verbs. For example, snore is intransitive because it never takes a direct object. A direct object is a recipient of the action. While devour is transitive because it sounds very strange without a direct object. She devoured. It just sounds weird. In other words, in English sentences, something edible must be devoured. Further, there's an interesting middle ground for verbs that alternate, such as fly. They can be both transitive and intransitive in different sentences. You can fly a plane, which is a transitive use of fly with the direct object a plane, but you can also just fly. Wouldn't that be nice? Snore, on the other hand, is called obligatory intransitive because it really can't alternate or be used transitively. Again, used transitively means used with a direct object. You can't really snore anything. Another example of an obligatory intransitive verb is sneeze. Let's recap. Neil flies planes. Flies is the transitive verb and planes is the direct object. And Neil flies, where fly is the intransitive verb. Now, by the way, some of you may be trying to find examples of forcing an obligatory intransitive verb like snore to take an object. A common example people come up with is, but I can say he snored the night away. That sentence is metaphorical, and it may seem like the night is the direct object of snored, but technically it isn't. The night is not actually being snored or affected by the snoring action in any way. This is one of the fun things about unconscious language and grammar rules. We break the rules in certain situations, such as when we want to create humor, metaphors and idioms, or poetry. In other words, remember that just because a verb has words after it, that doesn't mean it's transitive. Here's another example. Poppy sneezed all day. In that sentence, sneeze is intransitive because all day is an adverbial expression that indicates the duration of her sneezing action, but not what she sneezed. So it's not a direct object. Okay, so when elements such as objects are required after a verb, those are called arguments by syntacticians. Arguments can be subjects, direct objects, or indirect objects, for example. Unlike optional words like adverbs, arguments are required by the grammar rules. Verbs take inventory, so to speak. Here's an example sentence we'll consider that uses the verb to give. Eleanor gave a house 
prognosticate. So the verb to give usually requires three arguments. First, the subject, Eleanor, to do the giving action. All English verbs require subjects. Second, give requires a direct object, in this case, a house. And third, an indirect object, Kate, to Kate. We know that all three are required in this context because Eleanor gave Kate sounds very strange. Kate is the indirect object because she's the recipient of the direct object, a house. Indirect objects usually have two or four in front of them, like I baked a cake for our guest. This structure of arguments that verbs take, reject, and require is called argument structure. And here's the thing that gets interesting for prepositions. Prepositions have argument structure too. For example, the preposition by is a transitive preposition. The dress is by the chair is fine, but the dress is by makes no sense at all. You may be thinking that the chair in that sentence is the object of the preposition by, and that's right. The point is that viewing prepositions as having transitivity is one way grammarians can reject the adverb label for the adverb-like prepositions. Some linguists theorize that those prepositions with no object are intransitive, the way the verb snore is intransitive, or the way the verb eat can be either one. This line of reasoning points out that when verbs like fly don't have an object, we don't rename the part of speech of the verb. We just say that the verb fly is intransitive in that particular sentence. Therefore, logic suggests not renaming prepositions as adverbs just because they have no object. In that way, in our get inside example, you could say that inside is just an intransitive preposition. What's neat about this theory is that there are actually a few prepositions that must always take objects, like to and toward. In other words, you can't say Andrea ran toward with no object. So those prepositions are obligatory transitive, just like the verb devour. Also parallel to verb transitivity is the fact that most prepositions can alternate, which means be both prepositions, in other words, take an object, and be adverb-like prepositions that do the job of adverbs. Two examples are prepositions down or around. These are parallel to those verbs that can be both transitive and intransitive, like fly or eat. Finally, there are prepositions that cannot ever take an object, like away and overhead, and so they are obligatory intransitive prepositions, like our example intransitive verbs, snore and sneeze. You've probably never heard the term intransitive preposition, but classifying prepositions without objects as intransitive instead of as adverbs can even be found in the Cambridge Grammar of the English Language. <laughs> Welcome to Advanced Linguistics. As you can see, the distinction between adverbs and prepositions is an interesting gray area of grammar, and calling the adverb-like prepositions adverbs isn't always the right choice. Just because a preposition does the job of an adverb, it doesn't necessarily follow that it's no longer a preposition. It seems best to choose the category you prefer as needed, but be prepared with a good defense for your choice. That podcast was written by Sayel Graves, who has two master's degrees in linguistics. You can read more about her at sayelgraves.com. That's S-Y-E-L-L-E-G-R-A-V-E-S dot com. 
And I'm Mignon Fogarty. You can find a transcript of this podcast and all the other Grammar Girl articles at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening.